Now that you've cast out the evil sorcerer and taken his treasures and searched his colon for gems, it's time for you to kick back and listen to the Safe a Half Sideshow. The Save for Half Sideshow, where it's all fun and games until somebody takes a four-sider to the eye. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Welcome to Sideshow. With you, as always, is DM Mike, who, if he were a fruit, he'd be a tomato. Maybe a killer tomato. Possibly a green tomato. Possibly. <laughs> and with me is DM Corbett, who, if he were a fruit, would be banana. <laughs> as minions would put it, banana. Hello. Also with us is DM Liz, who, if she were a fruit, she'd be a watermelon. Because that's my favorite. And the biggest fruit of all. Or would she be the cherry on top of this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's not go there. Oh, dang it. (laughs) Hey, Donnie, Donnie, good news. And we're going to read emails, as is the tradition in the sideshow. Then we're going to talk a bit about North Texas RPG Con, which unfortunately Corbett couldn't make due to various emergencies. But he'll be there next year. Sure will. He'll have to, because I'm going to have Lieutenant Victory's evil nemesis. (laughs) I gotta admit, I love the name. Yeah, it just kind of came to me, and I was going, hey, gear, gear, what would be gear? Fear gear! (laughs) Yes! Lord Fear gear! But more on that later. Yep. (laughs) But first... I read all the emails on the face of the earth. No emails were harmed in the making of this podcast. Do we have any emails? Yes, we do, surprisingly enough. Still got to do that sometime. No, we have no emails. (laughs) Right, we'll go on. Now we got emails, and not going to be able to get through all of our emails, because we didn't want to make this into a total email show, but we are going to get through a good chunk of them. Our first one is from Trevor Hurst, and he writes, Nice to hear you back on the air again. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about Savage Worlds and Dresden Files. I listened to Save or Die for many years, so I know where you're coming from in regard to the old school games. I look forward to hearing the old school perspective applied to newer games. You should seriously look at Dungeon World. I got to play that a couple of times. It was a blast. Anyway, it is nice to hear you back on the podcast. Thanks for signing my GaryCon program, Trev. (laughs) Yeah, we had the, was it breakfast or lunch with Trevor? I think it was lunch. Yeah, we had a meal with him. It might have been breakfast for us, though. (laughs) (laughs) It was technically lunch, but it was our first meal of the day, so. (laughs) Because by the time we walked from our hotel room to the main area of the hotel, it was lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, thanks, wasn't, Trevor. You broke it wasn't bread. because we slept late or anything. No, it was oh, because no, it took not. such a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or we're watching TV in the bathroom mirror. Have you guys but, actually read Dungeon World? Nope. 
I have not. Oh, you should really you should really pick it up. It's a really weird take on D and D, basically. What's the take in two hundred words or less? It's really quick. <laughs> It, you kind of have this pre-designed character, but the thing is, it, it's it's got all the options that you would ever pick anyway. So you feel like you have a lot of freedom. At the same time, you have no freedom, but it plays really quick. So and is easy. it a role-playing game or a minis game? Oh, it's a total total role-playing game. Total role. Okay, it's game. total role-playing. But okay. it re, it redefines the way you roll your d20s, and it, redef- it redefines a lot of little things. It's very bizarre. It's it's an interesting read. I'll give you that. Okay, and it sounds like something that's new, but harkening back to the old-school paradigm, so oh, totally. why don't you give that a look? You could review that another time. I, I, I didn't want to go through and review it right now. I was just like, oh, it's a really weird... After all, it's not like we've got a pile of shows already <laughs> to do, but, but it sounds cool. I well, think I'd like to give it a shot. Well, to be fair, we've only got three or four more games, and then they'll all be done, so... <laughs> yeah, there's hardly any games out there, you know? Just, well, it's all just TSR, right? <laughs> oh, only TSR. They're the only yeah, ones who make games, and there's only two of them. Somebody's later email complains about that, <laughs> We'll get oh, to that. Seriously, though, one of the things that I am enjoying about being on Save for Half now is getting the opportunity to read through a lot of the games that I never had experience with back in the day. And if I wasn't doing the show, you know, I might never have taken the time to read through them. You know, like we did with Cyborg Commando. I'd be willing to bet if we hadn't done the show over it, I probably would never have gone over the rules and I would have missed out on some of the neat things about it. So there you go. There you go. go. (laughs) Next email. Our next email is is from a mysterious individual, um, a Corbett Incognito. Hmm. And and, and this individual writes, Hey, Halfies, been listening to the show, and it's pretty good, but there's a lot less Jim in it than I'm used to. I heard a rumor that you may have him on with editorial comments, and that would be swell. All podcasts need at least... 35% 35% more Jim. Your mysterious <laughs> fan and not Corbett. <laughs> That's no. a pretty cool guy. <laughs> we'll, we'll never have Jim on again, ever. Ever. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. That, that could have been anybody. There's a lot of people named Corbett. Yeah, that's a very, very common name. I know tons of people named Corbett, for for instance. I, I can say yeah. for a fact, I hear the name Corbett more often than anybody else saying a name. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very true. So, hopefully, Jim, he puts in his editorials as he feels the urge, so it's not a regular schedule, but we... <laughs> Hope to publish more of them as he has the time and inclination. As the muse strikes him. Mm. Yeah, across the face. (laughs) With a keyboard. That's usually how muses work. (laughs) Yeah, get back to work. Write this! (laughs) What is he? He's not the gamer that uh, we wanted, but he's the gamer we deserve. (laughs) (laughs) He's the gamer we need. (laughs) All All right. Okay. Our next email is a little more serious, and it is from Matthew Sims. Matthew wants to know, didn't the FASA RPGs, Star Trek and Doctor Who, use a combat system based on the tech level of the weapons in personal combat? I know they bought the rights to the Book of Mars, and I wondered if they incorporated those rules into their games. Corbett, you're our Star Trek expert. I don't remember a tech level. They had the, the phaser breakdowns. You knew what like an old phaser would do versus a new phaser. Like One would disintegrate, the other one would disintegrate, but they sound different. But uh, 
This is Zathras. <laughs> I am Zathras. See the difference? Goodbye. Very important. <laughs> we all read Doctor Who, and I don't remember any Yeah, I levels. don't recall it. Yeah, but I remember looking at some Doctor Who modules, and I seem to recall there was something about tech level, and they were using, like, Roman numerals. So I don't know. We'll look that up and find and give that to you in a future episode. Okay. But right now... I don't even know what Book of Mars is. Matthew Sims, by the way, runs the uh, gaming section of FinCon, a convention in Dallas in September. Oh. And he did this intentionally to stump us, I think. Mm. <laughs> so he succeeded. Clever boy. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, I'm not that familiar with FASA as a whole. Would it have been something that might have been part of the tactical combat system for Star Trek? Or was that a totally different animal altogether? No, it was actually really similar as far as the hand-to-hand combat. It was very similar mm-hmm. to Doctor Who. You still had your action points, you still had your, your movement and attacks, but you picked up a weapon it did the damage that it said. And it was kind of huh. easy. That's one thing I like about Star Trek. You know what the weapon does? Disintegrate. Or stun. <laughs> it's like, oh no, it does damage. Yeah. Well, technically it does, but you know what? Disintegrate pretty much sums up what it does. <laughs> but I get a saving throw, right? <laughs> Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, sorry about that, Matthew. We'll we'll look it up. I, I'd never heard of that book of Mars. I'm kind of looking to go check that out now. Yeah. Sounds like some one of those 70s, early 80s publications. Kind of like Claw Law and Spell Law that later evolved into Rollmaster mm-hmm. from Ice, Iron Crown. Sounds like something like that. Would have put out, it's quote-unquote not for D&D, wink, wink. Well, I just did a quick search for it. And August 1981 is ha! what's coming up. So yeah, early 80s. I just that tech Hi, level well. thing does sound familiar. I just don't remember it from Star Trek. I remember it from something else. I can't think of what it is. But there's Doctor only four Luke. or five games out there, so I'm sure I'll find it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> easily have it figured out by next. All right. Well, next email. Okay, our next email is from Robert Weaver, and he says that he is enjoying the series and Save or Die. says, I hope you're planning to do a podcast on Classic Traveler. It's been my mainstay RPG for 30 plus years now. <laughs> I loves me my traveler, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that it? Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much oh, okay. it. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, our next email is from Chris... Spatola, and I hope I got that name right. <laughs> Be sure to let us know if I screwed up, and I will do a mea culpa in a future show. <laughs> and Chris wants to know, he says, Dear DMs Liz, Mike, Corbett, and sometimes Jim, I would like to express my thanks and gratitude for the new podcast. It is excellent. Your podcast was greatly missed during your brief hiatus. Thank you for coming back. I was particularly impressed with your coverage of the RPGs produced by FASA. That being Star Trek and Doctor Who. I'd always been curious about those games, but couldn't find them to purchase. When I started gaming around 86 in the greater Toronto area, the only games that were readily available were TSR products. And that was limited to AD&D and D&D. Oddly enough, though, one game that was available and was not produced by TSR was the James Bond RPG by Victory Game. This actually turned out to be my first RPG, and it was great. D&D followed, of course, and I still play those games to this day, but I've always had a soft spot for the Bond game. I was hoping at some time in the future the show could possibly do coverage of the Bond game. I never really hear much about it, and I'd be very interested to hear your take on it. Other games I believe would be interesting to cover would be Top Secret, the original version, Star Frontiers, Paranoia, and the great Chaosium game, Call of Cthulhu. In conclusion, thanks again for the show. It is awesome. I look forward to future episodes. Sincerely, Chris. Thanks, Chris. 
Yeah, James Bond was one of those games. It had great production credits, but then yeah, it came from Avalon Hill. Fun fact, Victory Games were actually all the employees of SPI who really? got pissed at uh, TSR and left after TSR <laughs> bought the company. And Avalon <laughs> set them up as kind of their own little branch as Victory Games. Interesting. Yeah. yeah uh, I remember seeing the Bond game at the time, but never wound up picking it up. And... I got Top Secret. I never got James Bond. And I wonder if I didn't pick up James Bond because I figured, well, I've already got Top Secret. I'm not really sure what was going through my head at the time. I just know I, I never wound up getting that one. Yeah, I well, can see that. What kind of turned me off of James Bond when it came out at the time, like I said, it had great production credits. And I don't know if this is true or not, but just the book and then every adventure was based on the, one of the Ian Fleming films or novels. Mm -hmm. I got, I guess subconsciously, I got the impression I'm playing Bond in a Bond universe. I've never been big on those kind of prepackaged worlds. You never are. I never am. Yeah. I never am. It's entirely true. It's so a, I think that may have been what... I also recall they were a bit pricey, at least when they first came out. I do remember that. They were like 17 um, for the box, weren't they? Something like that. Which, which so seemed like, like a lot. Ouch. I think the AD&D books were 15 at the time, and it was like, what? For a box? I'm paying 17? No, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, gamers are naturally cheap to begin with. But yeah, I just... If someone else had gotten it and I'd read it, maybe I'd have a better appreciation of it, but I wasn't willing to put out that much money. As I've said before, I was on a real tight budget in the 80s, and I just didn't have that much money to throw away on a game that I had no idea about. Maybe it was great, maybe not. Mike, you were on a real tight budget in the 80s? Unlike now, where you're just throwing money away every day. <laughs> Comparatively? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. And isn't that a little sad? sad. Compared to back then, our lifestyle now is just <laughs> tossing I have a walk money in, in the air. I have a walk-in closet that is 25% clothes, 75% games. And I'm seriously considering getting those clothes out of the way because they're interfering with my game. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think after we cover Top Secret, it might be interesting to then cover James Bond, you know, kind of chrono chronologically. Do a compare-contrast maybe yeah. afterwards? Mm -hmm. Because up until maybe the early 90s, I think those were the two espionage games. If you well, want to play espionage, most time you'd either find Top Secret or James Bond. No, no. Palladium put out the Ninjas and Super Spies. I couldn't think of it for a minute there. Yeah, but, yeah, but nobody played it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nobody's, nobody's written in going, where's all those Palladium games? Yeah, and like Champions, Hero Games put out espionage. Oh, That's yeah. great. Nobody played it. Yep. At least nobody in my Bye, area. Hero. So. <laughs> Maybe if like you were on the West Coast or the Great Lakes, you could find this. But yeah, nobody around there. Anyway, nobody's written <laughs> in about wanting to to review GURPS either. What's up with that? Yeah, I haven't heard it. Well, we'd probably have to spend a year just on GURP products. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That'd be the piece. I want to do Fantasy Trip, which is kind of a proto GURPS. So that's kind of. But yeah, I'm surprised nobody's asked for GURPS. Now we've said that. We'll get an avalanche of emails. Do GURPS <laughs> or don't you dare do GURPS. <laughs> One of the other. Well, Any I, emails left? And the Gazetteers. We should cover that. <laughs> totally, totally Every cover single that. one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so we could start over again. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> Better do it all over. 
Well, to be fair, there are a couple of issues of the Gazetteer that I do regret we never got the opportunity to get to. Yeah. But, but maybe we maybe we can pick and choose them this time. We don't have to do a series of every single Gazetteer. We can just pick the ones that we personally thought were cool. And it's like, this was a good one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm okay with picking the ones that we thought were awful. <laughs> <laughs> just to get people writing in. How dare you? How dare you? Anyhow. One last email. One more! And this one I grabbed from the newest because it sort of kind of covers North Texas. And theoretically, this is kind of what this episode is about. So it's pertinent. Chris Holmes wrote into the show. Whoa. And he said, congrats on your new home. DM Corbett is a fine co-host. I'll have to vote for Call of Cthulhu, our second favorite RPG. And he adds, Mike, Fuzzy Butt the Hobbit, survived the game and smashed two more chests. <laughs> Woohoo! I'll explain that in a bit. But Chris Holmes <laughs> is the son of J. Eric Holmes, the author of the Holmes Basic D&D book box set. And he that. was at North Texas, along with Alan Groey and a lot of the guys. Is it Black Blade Publishing? Black Blade, yep. Black Blade Publishing. Tales of Peril, the compiled stories about Boinger and Zareth that John Eric Holmes wrote over the course of the years that either appeared in Dragon Magazine, etc. Anyway, they've all been compiled into one hardback book, and it debuted at North Texas this past week. So he was there to help encourage people to buy the book. Not that we needed tons of encouraging. (laughs) He never drew the cobalt in there, did he? Yeah, we never got back to him to do that, but maybe we can get him to do it next year. Oh, well. All righty. Well, if you want to write the podcast, write us at saferhalfpodcast at gmail.com. We still don't have a voicemail, but if you want to send an MP3 in, we'll play it like a, like a voicemail and, and all that good stuff. Probably a lot cleaner to hear, too. Probably, because I know those Google voicemails when we were on the other podcast was sometimes they were clear, but sometimes they were just awful. I remember <laughs> one where we literally said, we have no idea who sent this and we have no idea what he's saying. So if you send a voicemail and we haven't played it, that's probably you. So please <laughs> send another one. <laughs> <laughs> please do it again. <laughs> yes. I have a quick question for everybody who is listening and are big fans of yours. And this is mostly towards Mike, a little bit towards Liz, but mostly towards Mike. So I didn't do it. You're on the hot seat. What, why do you treat the other podcast like Lord Voldemort? It will gain power <laughs> if you speak its name. <laughs> I don't. You cannot say its name. <laughs> <laughs> they know where you did. They know you did it. <laughs> they saw you. <laughs> The podcast that must not be named. <laughs> it's got a point. <laughs> well, it's okay. I, fine. Save or die. 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 There. Happy. Now it's like Hastur. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just thinking. Yeah, Hastur's a bastard. Hastur's a bastard. <laughs> suddenly, James Spawn, Glenn, and, and Eric, Eric Tankar suddenly appear. <laughs> you you have said our names. <laughs> hey guys. Woo-hoo. <laughs> so okay. that would be pretty I, cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to be professional, and, okay. you know. But yeah, save or die. Uh, so fine, whatever. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to raise the dead. Now he's not going to stop. Yeah, now <laughs> I, <laughs> his head's turning around. <laughs> Oh, that'd be awesome. That's why he never says it. 
<laughs> See what happens? What have you wrought? I did not mean to bring that up. I'm sorry. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, speaking of curiosity, let's talk about North Texas. Yay! A lot of fun. Corbett was missed. A little bit. I missed everybody. Yeah, we had we had people come up to us saying it's like, oh man, I'm really sorry Corbett wasn't going to be here. <laughs> and, Where's Corbett? <laughs> he owes me money. Is everything okay? <laughs> it's like, yes, everything's fine. It really is. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Life happens. More or less. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys Let's had see. fun. Yeah, we had fun. We got there Thursday afternoon, and Thursday night, Liz did her B1 game while Ben and I went to the bar. Oh, that's pretty fun. My friend Ben from Rochester, New York, flies down every year. And Always cool to see friends. It's the best place yeah. to do it. <laughs> It's the only yeah. time I see him every year. We, although sometimes he keeps saying, you know, hey, why don't you guys come up like around November, December? And I'm like, to Rochester? November, December? No. <laughs> yeah, we'll get snowed August. in and we'll never leave. <laughs> That's, That's the when plan. I'm gonna go see Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, how was a B1 game, Liz? Uh, it was a lot of fun. Errol Otis was not signed up to be in the game, but he showed up as a surprise to everybody. So, you know, none of us who signed up knew we were going to be playing with him along with um, Bad Mike. So that was cool. Yeah, it's the second time I've been in a game with Errol. I think the first time Mike and I were in a D&D game with him, and it, it was either the first or the second North Texas Con. So it's been years. He's a really good role player, as you might imagine. <laughs> we didn't find out it was Errol Otis till near the end. I know, that first time we had no idea it was him until most of the game was over with. It's like, oh my god, it's we're at a table with Errol Otis! <laughs> and it's like, ah! Totally fanboy and girling. It's like, <laughs> that is totally so, uh, awesome, though. That means you got to enjoy the game was, for the fun of the game and not because you thought he yeah, was so fun. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was cool because we probably would have been obsessing over it the whole time if we had known. So it was a good thing that we didn't. But yeah, the, the B1 game was good and managed to survive all the way through. The dog almost survived all the way through this time. For for people who may have heard us in the past on Save or Die talking about the, the B1 games. Stop it! <laughs> anyway, when we've talked about the B1 game in the past, normally Glenn would purchase the dog to go into the dungeon with us and almost every single time the dog would wind up dying if not in the very first room just really early on you know the dog had horrible luck so somebody else bought the dog this time and she took really good care of it and the dog almost made it all the way through but it wound up getting killed i want to say by sturges that... I think Bad Mike just doesn't like dogs. <laughs> More of a cat person, probably. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the dog almost made it to the end this time, but not quite. Other than that, it was the usual good time. Okay. Bad Mike runs a really good game. So there. there so go. there. <laughs> All right, well, and then we went Friday. Uh, we got stuck Friday afternoon in some schmucks game, but fortunately it ended early, so we were able to get out of it. Yeah, that, that schmuck who runs victorious, geez. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you about it. I was about to say, I don't think I know anybody who's a schmuck at the con. 
Well, here's a funny part. I wasn't I, I, there. Wait a minute. <laughs> I, I had the players. They were in the 1892 World Columbian Exposition, and mm-hmm. they basically encountered a Barsoomian princess, Thuvia, made of Mars, who was blending in with the Midway, for the with the foreigners in the Midway, because, you know, girl with black hair and bright red skin, bah, it's just a weirdo <laughs> foreigner. Americans don't know any better in 1892. That's true. Until Lord Darak from... Uh, Aztok. Aztok. I, was, I knew there was an Ock in there. Lord Aztok and one of his flying ships arrives, determined to kidnap her and make her his queen, because apparently that's how guys get chicks on Barsoom, if you've read the novels. <laughs> that's their idea of wooing. Yes. <laughs> I'll kidnap you and force you to marry me. That shows I love you. Like, okay. And it Let came into the declare for a duel, which according to Barsoomian slash Mars tradition, you can only fight an opponent with the weapons that they're fighting you with. So one of the guys challenges him to a, a round of fisticuffs for Thuvia, who's, by the way, being run by Liz and is trying to do a duel of her own, but these men keep getting in the way and doing it instead, <laughs> which is pretty Victorian if you think about it. Very true. <laughs> But the guy gets down, he puts up his sword, getting ready to go into a a fist fight, and then one of the guys, I think it was Alex, goes, I shoot him in the back with my shotgun. (laughs) Well, uh, the the, the first guy was whoever it was who was playing Crane the Hunter. Ah. And then when Alex came in later, he shot the other Martian. in the back with a shotgun. He's knocked down. What does another guy do? I shoot him in the head with my pistol. Like, I mean, it was fun. We had a great time, but it's like, dude, (laughs) the challenge and noble <laughs> never mind and i didn't even get to bring the martian tripod out of the, out of lake michigan to attack them oh well i believe fun was had by all there was a lot of laughing <laughs> it is, and i videotaped it it is rare well, but it, it. it does happen when players totally deviate from what you plan because that's kind <laughs> of what players do a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Well, then, after that, we got some dinner, and then at 6, we went to our Bunnies and Burrows game. Ah, I've seen pictures. Red- <laughs> huh? I've seen pictures. Yeah. Not only did he have a map for our quest we had to follow, he made me the mapper and gave a map that his wife made that was totally tactile. Oh, you wow. had a little bridge over a river and overpass, and just little boxes for buildings and woods and swamps, and just like, that's awesome. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Every different terrain type was a different type of fabric, so you could feel very obviously the differences between all of the der- the terrain types. And he had a map key on a separate piece of fabric, so that you could feel, you know, okay, this is what this is, this is what that is, etc. And it was just really, really neat. And Doctor Sister's wife obviously took a lot of time and effort to make that and i can't say thank you enough it was just amazing feel kind of bad somebody went to all that effort just for me but yeah our bunnies we we had our bunny characters like 12 people were playing yeah it was a big group and i mean not only was there the the super cool map Mm -hmm. but he also gave out he had these little two-dimensional bunnies that were cut out of a hard cardstock and they were all individually painted in different colors and patterns and the backs of them had his signature and you know NTRPG 2017 on the back and sort everybody like got minis. Yeah, everybody cool. got to pick out a bunny and keep it. So unfortunately, our bunny got away from us shortly afterwards. I think I may have 
lost it at the midnight auction Saturday night. But anyway, it fell out of my lanyard and went on a quest of its own. Oh. So I hope somebody found it who would appreciate it. And it has a, a fun home somewhere. Yeah. But, but yeah, a lot of work and just so many extra little touches were put into that game. It was just so awesome. Mm. Yeah, basically our plan, we had to go find where the squirrels, the fluffy tails went. From the the long tails. Long tails, sorry. Because <laughs> during a bad winter, the long tails were nice to the bunnies and gave them acorns and stuff to get through the, fo- the winter. But now they've disappeared, and it's up to our party to travel to find where they went. <laughs> and we went through many travails with snakes and dogs and frogs. <laughs> Which is really funny, because when he started out, we had like foreign languages, and each of us had to choose an animal that we had we had uh, learned the language of. And somehow both Zach Glazar and I chose frog. (laughs) I mean, he's a frog god guy, so maybe that was part of it. But I just chose frog because what the hell. And we're going by a frog pond. And we asked Dr. Sister, who's running the game, of course, what are the frogs saying? Maybe they know something. Yeah. What are are they saying to each other? He said, all you hear is, you do the know, Liz. Okay. Mate with me. Mate with me. No. Maybe no. Maybe no. Maybe no. That's it. That's all you heard. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so it's like a dance club is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So for the rest of the con, Zach would like, whenever he'd come up behind us somewhere, he'd go, yeah, maybe me. No. Maybe me. No. Maybe me. No. Yeah, we, we escaped. We got through an electrical fence. We got past some dogs. Poisonous snake, a ferret, scared the hell out of us. Then we found the long tails. They were enslaved by evil bunnies. Evil bunnies? Evil bunnies. Evil bunnies. (laughs) What was led by Sharptooth? Was that her name? Sharptooth. Did they have little bunny goatees or? They might have. Might have. (laughs) So anyway, we had this huge battle. They had like little, little bunny alchemists too. Our alchemists kept finding new herbs and stuff to make into things, and because you can only carry what you can stick in your armpits, because <laughs> you're buddies. So uh, they're like trying to, you, hey, you carry this in your armpit. No, what is it? <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you because I'm an alchemist, and we're not supposed to. So you want me to carry something in my armpit? And you're not even going to tell me what it is. It's like it might be dangerous. What if it kills me? I want to know this. <laughs> what if I want to eat it? If I, yeah, yeah, exactly. But we prevailed. So it went on till midnight. Oh, wow. a six-hour game. Yeah. Yeah, but it was Although, fun. We had a great yeah, time. With the big battle toward the end, it was getting to the point where all of us were missing our roles horribly. There was like, one round where all 12 of us missed. Not one hit. So, like maybe if our dice had been kinder to us, it wouldn't have la- the game wouldn't have lasted quite as long as it did. But that last last combat is like, oh my god, we're just sucking horribly. <laughs> <laughs> but we won. That's the fun of the game. Yeah. <laughs> the next morning, one of the things I mentioned when everybody was naming their rabbits, there's like nimble toe. Fast foot, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, you know, all these names could work as halflings, yeah. just as much as bunnies. Well, I cho- my bunny's name was Fuzzy Butt, because <laughs> that's what I call my cat. And so at noon the next day, we were in Discos and Dragon. A guy named Carl was running, and he was running D&D, but only with things from 1978 and earlier. Even the dice. Chits. He, he had us use chits for a bit. 
we had he had the old Avalon Hill outdoor survival game to handle the wilderness stuff. Though he didn't use the full system because not one of us died of dysentery or, <laughs> or or starved to death. Anyway, so we're playing that, and I've given a halfling to run. So I say, well, heck, I'll call him Fuzzy Butt. So Fuzzy Butt the halfling, and my friend Ed Hill was there, and he played a character like Harlan Lothario, all the <laughs> Italian lover appeal of Lothario with Harlan Ellison. Uh-huh. With Harlan Ellison's personality. <laughs> and the figure he got had an open shirt, and I kid you not, a 70s porn mustache. <laughs> so his goal was to find a medallion. Because, you know, he had the open neck shirt and gotcha. everything. Oh, yeah. And we're singing different 70s songs and applying them to D&D. It was a lot of fun. And then Chris Holmes just kind of came up and sat down, and we were chatting while playing. I don't exactly remember how, but we got onto Romero's zombie movies. The, <laughs> the various virtues and problems of, of Day of the Dead versus Land of the Dead. And then... We had to go because of the awards ceremony at three. So I turned over my character Fuzzy Bud to Chris Holmes. Uh-huh. And he said, don't worry, I'll keep playing him. And my halfling was just a fighter. But, you know, there's the comment, oh, it's a halfling. You know, do you think you can pick this lock on this chest? And I go, yes, I can. And I pull out my flail and smash it open. <laughs> there, lock pick. <laughs> so that's the story behind uh, Fuzzy Bud the Hobbit smashing two more chests with all the finesse of a sledgehammer (laughs) that's right that's right (laughs) then we went to the award ceremony uh why don't you take it over liz yeah ah well we went there was going to be you know not only the awards but also doing the raffle tickets and then the auction after that uh they did raffle first we didn't win anything but that's okay we we didn't actually buy any tickets we just had two of the, the tickets that you know come free in your stuff but we never actually bought any of the raffle tickets for the super cool stuff so did raffle first then they started doing awards they were handing out trophies for the circus maximus the chariot races etc all kinds of stuff like that before that started though we were all getting in our seats and we saw james spawn who any of our older listeners may remember we covered his game, The Hero's Journey, on Save or Die. I think it was, was it episode 130? It's like 131? It was in the 120s. Maybe 120s, okay. How dare you not remember an exact number episode and the minute that you said something about it? Yeah, there's only like 85 of them that we did. Yeah, but we had covered The Hero's Journey. We had just tons of good things to say about it on the show. It, mm. it was an awesome product. And, you know, Victorious was up for the Three Castles Award, and Hero's Journey was one of the products that was competing against us. And, one, episode you know, 129, by the way. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I wanted to say like 131 or something, so I was kind of close, but yeah, it wasn't it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but it was on that show. When, that you did before. Yes. That we will never mention. Yes. That we will never, ever mention, ever. <laughs> because it sets Mike off. Yes. <laughs> apparently it, it makes him go insane, and we can't have that. 
So we covered Hero's Journey at the time, and we all thought it was awesome. When we found out that it was one of the games that was going to be competing, Mike immediately said, it's like, Hero's Journey is going to win. And it's like, well, you don't know. There's a chance. But, you know, we all thought Hero's Journey was, it's an awesome product. Mm -hmm. It's very old school. It's swords and wizardry, white box compatible. If you love the feel of the Tolkien Hobbit mythos, playing Hero's Journey gives you that feel. We had a lot of great things to say about the game. And now, so, Barrel Rider Games is his company, and he puts out that and a lot of other stuff. He is really prolific. Yeah, and if for whatever reason Tolkien is not your thing, he does a Swords and Wizardry, is it White Star? That's science fiction. Yeah. You oh, use yeah. swords and wizardry rules. So if you like sci-fi, take a look at that. It's good stuff. But anyway, getting back to it, we were filing in. We saw James Spawn there. Now, as soon as he saw us coming in, he said, you know, I, I really think Victorious is going to get this. So, well, we think Hero's Journey is going to get it. And so we started arguing with each other about who was going to win. <laughs> I'm more magnanimous. No, I'm yes. more magnanimous. <laughs> I said, you know, I will bet you $5 that your game is going to win. It's like, oh yeah, well, I bet you $5 your game's going to win. <laughs> so we made this bet, and we're both sitting there thinking, it's like, okay, the other person, we are going to win this bet, and ha ha ha. So we're just sitting there waiting, and when they finally get to talking about Three Castles, building up about to announce the winner, talking about what Three Castles is about, the history of it. And then they they say that Victorious won it. You know, for a moment, it was like... I'm glad like, nobody had a camera on me at that time, because I'm sure my face had this incredulous, what? you got to be kidding me. Was the actual winner La La Land? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vic never, Victorious yeah. La La Land. No. <laughs> so they announced Victorious, and I'm like... <laughs> yeah, she grabbed me. I grabbed him and like hugged him from the side. It's like, ah! And the Liz went wild. <laughs> and I'm just kind of going, ah, oh? but, but, why? <laughs> they had to like tell him. It's like, yeah, come, come down, come down and get the award. <laughs> so Mike and I, I stagger down. They met us halfway, handed us the award, which is. Really, really amazing looking. Gets to make them, but they're awesome. They are. Frankly, yeah. I was expecting like one of those little like high school trophies, except instead of like the guy with the baseball bat or the football player on the top, there's maybe like a little goblin or something. Maybe uh, there's a it's a dragon or a castle or something. Yeah, but, or something yeah. Like no, that, it's it's this no, no. huge, heavy sculpture, some, and you know, some like, poor wow. slob hunched over a desk typing away, something like that. Yeah, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the most accurate right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I was floored i That's mean I, awesome. I i was gratified and they were like you know it's great you know we almost never have people win who are actually here we can give it to <laughs> and thinking back on it yeah about at least i think half the time the winners were people who were not present <laughs> so but, to be curious what were your other contenders aside well, from uh hero's journey which was great was zach smith's maze of the blue medusa and Treasure Vaults of Zadabad. Zadabad, yeah. And I forget the guy who wrote that. I haven't seen either one of those, but I've been told that Blue Medusa has some awesome production credits. Mm -hmm. Carl Bussler was Treasure Vaults Carl of Bussler. Zadabad. That's right, yeah. yeah. This makes you magnanimous, because you remembered <laughs> those who've fallen before you. Mm. <laughs> 
they're all good things. And, yeah. and I actually kind of want to get a hold of a copy of Treasure Vaults because that sounds pretty cool. Well, I'm sure so, they're all, if they're even close to the same as, as Victorious or Hero's Journey, I mean, they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. And, I think so, yeah. And I'm sure we are going to have links to all of those products in the show notes. So if you are interested in checking them out, and you should be, go follow the links, take a look at all of them, buy them, play with them. They are awesome. <laughs> exactly. Sure, you can get at least PDFs of them on drive through. Probably so. Yeah, I've heard Maze of the Blue Medusa is out of print in physical format, and PDF is all you can get unless you find something on eBay or Noble Knight or something like that. I think it was a very limited print run for Maze of the Blue Medusa. Oh, I heard it had such great production credits, it was probably expensive to make. There was that. We left before the auction really got going because we don't have the money that gets thrown around at the North Texas main auction. Well, I mean, they have some yeah. stuff, but, you guys you know. pick up some funny stuff usually, though. No, no, that's the midnight auction. Oh, sorry. yeah, that's drink. a lot that's cheaper. Go to. But, <laughs> but the actual auction, they're throwing thousands of bucks around, and no, no, can't like, do it. Normally, when a product gets to fifty bucks, that's when we start going. Yeah, I don't think we can bid yeah. on that anymore. <laughs> Hundred. Oh, yeah, not happening. But we're cheap. So anyway, then we went to our last game of the con. A guy named Julian, whose last name, unfortunately, I forget, was running Tejul Manor using first edition AD&D. And both Liz and my friend Ben and I were all in the game. And as we're starting the game, we get the characters. My friend Ben gets a female half-elf ranger. And I get a guy who's called Ogre. He's got like an 8 intelligence, 6 charisma, but like an 1853 strength. Yeah, and I keep thinking of Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Whole I was first time. to it. I said at the table, Ogre, 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 Ogre. But I didn't play him like that after all, because while we're talking, it reminded me of a character Ben had when we were like, 13 or 14 in HL's game. He, he made a female half-elf ranger that he named Vanity off the rock star of the time. So I was joking about her, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you just want to like tell everybody I, I ran a pole dancer or something. And I'm like, well, you kind of did, actually. And then Julian goes down and says, give me one interesting thing about your character, and gets to Ben, and Ben goes, well, my character gave up pole dancing to decide to become an adventurer. <laughs> and then it was my turn. I said, well, yeah, my character Ogre was her pole dancing partner, and when she left to go adventure, so did he. And we played that up throughout the entire game, just back and forth, back and forth. He's doing ranger stuff, found a big pile of poo in a courtyard, so he's trying to investigate it, and Ogre's leaning over going, let's face it, this not most embarrassing thing you ever do. <laughs> and yeah, we, we I like to think we kept a lot of people laughing. Liz, poor Liz, got stuck with the cleric again, playing the stressed straight woman, trying to keep things on track. Yeah, <laughs> my lot, my lot in life. Yeah, but she the best well. part was at the end when we faced off with the lich. Because we're trying to get out of the house now, and the lich is getting in our way and, like, killing each of us one at a time. Ooh. He's in the doorway. I rush him with my magic sword, and he casts, I kid you not, Odaluke's Irresistible Dance. <laughs> so I turn to the DM and go, is there a pole around? Come on, <laughs> give me this. I'm going to die anyway. <laughs> give me a pole. <laughs> a column, something. And I think he did. 
Yeah, yeah. So he he died doing what he loved, pole dancing. <laughs> just just like the time you told us to go out with the half orcs because they were good tippers. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and the gnome jugglers. We agreed never to speak of the gnome jugglers again. Just saying. <laughs> A lot of fun. Liz, patience was full. Most of us died, but it was fun. I'm glad you had fun with your friend. Oh, and Liz was there, too. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) I game with Liz all the time. Yeah, my game's with Ben once a year, so... The magic And half the time, he's doing Battletech and Aliens games, so, you know, it's hard to get him in a D&D game. So, Ben, if you're listening, I told about Vanity, the whole story, so there. (laughs) (laughs) Sunday, we did nothing except hang around and visit with people. Yeah, it's a recovery day. It's always a recovery day. Yeah. We actually decided to stay over till Monday morning, just so we had all day to hang out with people. Yeah, and Ben's flight didn't leave until Monday morning, so... We stayed at the hotel with him and had dinner with him and had just it was a pretty it was pretty nice being able to just totally relax. I didn't go back to work till Tuesday. It was it was it was nice being able to have that day to recover. And necessary. Because mm. <laughs> we're old. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just although so, that was our con, at least our personal experiences. Really wish you'd been there, Corbett. I it was totally a lot of fun. wish the same. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> next I year, get one of those darn it. Personal next interface year. devices and just roll it down the, the aisles with a little tablet and wheel. Hey guys, yeah. what are you doing? I like, like that episode <laughs> of Big Bang Theory. <laughs> virtual Sheldon. Uh, <laughs> I could be virtual Corbett. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll open doors for you. <laughs> Metaphorically and physically. Great! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if there's unless there's something anyone else wants to talk about, we'll go to our commercial break. Look at that! The Hendersons are getting a new fence. Ah, who cares? They're swingers. I want a new fence. We just got one two years ago after your parents were killed. I want a new fence. That's it. We're never having sex again. Need a home loan fast? At the American Bank of Los Santos, we'll help you get the debt you need to make life easier. We'll show you how to look richer and be poorer. Your home is your equity. What exactly are you saving it for? You need to impress people fast, not in 20 years. It's only a risk if you get into money troubles or the economy changes, which doesn't seem likely. We know living in the suburbs is a constant competition where you're defined by your lawn and your siding. Call American Bank of Los Santos when you need to add a rec room addition with a jungle swing or a jacuzzi for eight. Now that the kids have moved out and have drug problems of their own, maybe it's time to install a luxury marble wet bar so you can get drunk in private. American Bank of Los Santos. Dreams take money. Why worry about tomorrow if you look inadequate today? DM Mike's Micro Games. Hello, everyone. This is DM Mike, and this is a new segment called DM's Mike's Micros. In this five or so minute segment, I'm going to be talking every now and then about the micro game, which was a phenomenon of the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. This was basically a small game about the size of a digest-sized book, although usually narrower than a digest-sized book, in a little Ziploc bag or transparent box. These games came usually with maps, 
tokens, dice, and the average game ran about 30 to 45 minutes. Basically something you could take to school, college, or work and play during a lunch break. Many companies put these things out, but this particular episode I'm going to concentrate on one, called Vampire, by Philip A. Sheffer, and published through TSR Games, and ran for about 3 to $5, depending on where you picked it up. Basic game has a small fold-out map about the size of a piece of paper, with the venerable hex grid, and on this is a layout of, I suppose, idealized Transylvania. You start at a town in the upper left-hand corner, and there are various points that you can visit all around the board, such as Castle Dracula, Borgo Pass, the Tombs, Witches Circle, etc. Now the goal of the game, the basic game, is to go to all these sections, find and destroy all of Dracula's caskets, and the player who destroys the most caskets wins. There are six player counters, each one depicting one of the main characters from Bram Stoker's book Dracula. Van Helsing, Jonathan Harker, Mina Murray, and so on. There's no particular advantage to playing one character over another, they're just player markers. The remaining counters, which have various things, like caskets, nothing, weapons, or encounters, are turned upside down, shuffled randomly, and stuck at the various points in roughly equal numbers. The players then roll dice to move down the roads or across rough terrain to get to these points. When they do, they start turning over counters. Like I said, you can have a counter that said nothing. You can have a counter that is a weapon, a gun, a knife, the host, holy water, a silver bullet, whatnot. You can also turn over attacks, like werewolf attack, vampire attack, Dracula attacks. Each player then rolls off on a table to see if they succeed or not in the battle. If they fail, usually against a werewolf or a vampire, they get bitten and sometimes are forced back to the main town. Now three bites and the player becomes a vampire or a werewolf. At that point, the player then starts stalking the other players to try to stop them. And you can maneuver around and around. There are interesting encounter tables that you roll on when you're not at one of the main points with a counter. You can run into wild animals, gypsy bandits, whatever. There's no counters or anything for that, so most of that has to be done off-counter, as it were. The one who ends up destroying the most caskets, like I said, wins. Now the game can end there, or you can flip it over to the advanced game, which is on the other side. This has a similar layout, but of Castle Dracula itself. And then the players are maneuvering around, checking various rooms and everything, to find Dracula and destroy him. The advanced set has their own red-tinted counters, and have many of the same encounters, though... You don't ever run into just nothing. There's all sorts of things you could run into. Gypsies, day guards, the vampire brides, gargoyles, etc. The big difference in the advanced game is you have a clock. I just point out well before MMOs and other RPG or other computer games, you can maneuver around throughout the castle, but once it hits midnight, everything resets. All the counters are taken off, except for the player counters. The dead or found things are reshuffled in, and everything's divided up among the rooms again. So this one can take a while if you're too cautious. Again, you win this game by killing Dracula. As you can see, though there is some competitive element, it's mostly cooperative gaming, which I find kind of interesting, particularly in games like this. It can be fairly lethal, particularly the advanced game. But hey, if you're an advanced player, you're ready for that sort of thing, right? 
There are no legal PDFs of Vampire, but the game is floating around in all sorts of locations. I recommend you pick it up. It's a very nice, fun, half-an-hour game, even if you just play the basic game. And you can both cooperate and hunt. Oh, by the way, if you are made into a vampire or a werewolf in the basic game, you get to come into the advanced game and still stalk your fellow players. So there is some competitive there. Great game, great Errol Otis art throughout the booklet. The rules themselves are only 20 pages, of which maybe 15 are actual rules. And this is a digest booklet, but about half as wide as an actual digest. So there's really not many rules. A lot of fun. I wish they had additional counters so that you could mark the random encounters that you run into on the roads and stuff, but that's a minor quibble. Give it a shot. You'll be glad you did. So speaking of cons, Liz and I will be at FinCon this September in Dallas. Um, It is, I believe, not the last weekend in September, but the next to last weekend, if I am remembering correctly. Probably the third weekend in September. Yes, I believe it is the 22nd (laughs) through the 24th of September. And for any of you guys who were at the North Texas Con that we've just been talking about, FinCon is at the exact same hotel so you know exactly where it is and the layout and everything you should come there's going to be gaming it's not a completely gaming convention but there is a gaming section and all kinds of cool stuff i'll be running victorious friday saturday and sunday and liz and i will be on some panels regarding game design and podcasting so look us up Say hi. Yeah. Well, and you're going to be uh, at Rose City Con right after that, aren't you? Well, yeah, but I assume we're going to have more podcasts before. Well. I, thought, I thought it was like right after it. Isn't it in November? No, no. Uh, Rose City's at the end of October. Yeah, well, forget those guys then. <laughs> forget those guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure we're going to do at least one more podcast before then. Well, now you've cursed but just us. in case we don't, it's the weekend before Halloween. That is Halloween. That is Halloween. That's Halloween. the con. That's the con. It's the con. Yeah. Anyway. Tyler's full of azalea crap. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Rose City. Everybody scream in this town of Tyler Ween. <laughs> I'm I'm screaming now. (laughs) And for anybody who wants to know, I'll be at the subway later this evening. uh, (laughs) In Wyoming. You know, kind of sandwich or something. One (laughs) $5 foot long. You can't go wrong. Except for, you know, the weight gain. But anyway. Yeah. Where's, when's DubCon? DubCon. Second weekend of October? It is Saturday, October the 7th. So that's that. That is the first Saturday of October. Oh, okay. That's at Madness Games and Comics in Denton, Texas. They call it DubCon because it's the guy's birthday, but really it's just let's all show up at the game store and run games. (laughs) But it's fun. All right. Well, that covers our time at North Texas RPG Con 2017. Again, wish you could have made it, Corbett. Yeah, fun was had by all, except me. Except Aww. you. But maybe next year. Nobody loves me. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> asked about you. I'll give you that crap. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we're going to roll out of here. And in our semi-tradition, I'm going to, instead of asking a class, I'm going to ask each of you if you had your ideal 
convention game to play in, what would it be and who would be running it? Mm. And I'm going to start with Liz. You didn't tell me there was going to be a pop quiz. Um, <laughs> um, pass. <laughs> okay, Corbett. Okay, I have never been in a game with Frank Menser, so I am terrified, but it'd be fun as heck to do an all Frank Menser run dungeon crawl using Legos minis. Ooh, just don't get caught in the DMV like we did. <laughs> <laughs> I would be all over that. <laughs> all right, well, I'll give Liz a little more time. My ideal game would be in a game of original D&D run Palace of the Vampire Queen. Ooh. Run either by Michael Curtis or Tim Cask, depending on how soon I needed to get out of the game and go somewhere else. <laughs> how quick can I be dead? <laughs> yes. Okay, Liz, over to you. Oh, man. Okay. Bunnies My ideal game at a convention. I think I would like to play and i have no idea <laughs> the keyword here is victorious <laughs> <laughs> a rocky bullwinkle rpg tournament come on shill 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i get to play victorious all the time with mike at home anyway <laughs> so are you saying that victorious is boring and dull and not interesting at all and nobody should buy it ever no that is not what i'm saying <laughs> I just thought the idea was to try to think of something that would be really awesome to do that you would not ordinarily get the opportunity to do. So well, I know it would have been Bunnies and Burrows, but you played that now. You could say yeah. it again. Yeah, well, that was knocked off my bucket list. I guess I'd really like to finally manage to get into a game, um, one of the Errol Otis run games at a convention. Ooh. Um, but those always fill up before I even have an opportunity to think about trying to sign up. So one day, that'll be something that hopefully I manage to get into. Errol Otis run game. Of D&D? Yeah, D&D. Or most anything. more of a champion's person, really. <laughs> All right. Well, if any of us actually get in these games, we'll be sure to tell you about it here on Save for Half. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Free arc. And that's that. The Safer Half Podcast is a production of the Mud Puppy Games Network and the Gagman Podcast. The Safer Half theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. All player characters mentioned in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save for Half. I'm